It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, September 8th is live, 2011. We're glad that you're here. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dan. Jacob, great to be with you tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. We always look forward to Thursday nights and a chance to talk about things from the Word of God with our internet audience. So glad to be here. Our internet friends, we get to. We be got with some. Them. We got some real regulars who join us almost every week for the virtual Bible study, and we always appreciate them. All right, uh, we are glad that you are a regular. If you're a regular, if this is your first time here, we're glad that you're here as well, and we hope you'll make it a regular practice on Thursday nights to be a part of the virtual Bible study. We have an interesting program, an important program, maybe a vitally important program planned for tonight. Jacob, we, as you well know, and I think a lot of our listeners know, we we try a variety of different subjects, all, of course, with the commonality that they are addressed in the Word of God. And tonight we're going to talk about something that is important. Uh, it's the, It has to do with marriage uh, uh, and how we should uh, relate in our marriages. And we're going to talk about conflict resolution in marriage. All right. And if you don't agree with us, we're going to have a knockdown drag out on the program tonight. Well, that's the idea of conflict. Oh, of conflict. Okay. But but the, uh, uh, the the people who seem to be in the know about marriage conflicts suggest that it's not the, the good marriages it, in good marriages. It's not that they never have conflict. It is that they how they deal with the conflict. They deal successfully. There's always going to be some contention in marriage. You're saying that marriages dis- are going to have conflict? There's going to be some disagreements, some conflict. Why and is diff- that? A different, I'm just saying the difference between a, a healthy marriage and an unhealthy one is how people deal with conflict. Why is there conflict in marriage? Because you got two imperfect people dealing with each other. Okay. All right. Well, we want to hear from you about marriage conflict, and uh, maybe you're an expert. I don't know if anybody wants to claim to be an expert about marriage conflict. That might uh, well, I, be I somewhat incriminating. It seems, seems like our listening audience is a little small right now. They may pick They're up. They're filing it. They, they may pick up, but the thing of it is, I think we've got some competition at the national level tonight. Oh. The president was speaking to Congress. And but I think he scheduled it early so he could catch the virtual Bible. So he wouldn't. So he wouldn't. Conflict with right. He wanted to be able to be sure here too. He may need to hear it. Yeah. But but also the first regular season NFL game is. Uh, that's probably what that it is. It All right. Well, if you're here and you're listening to us live, give us a call eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Email questions at collegeview.com. And the chat room is open to the right of your video window. You can sign in there with no personal information. There are several listeners already signed in, and if you're watching that chat room, why not sign in so you can add your comments. Through the discussion there. We look forward to talking with you as we discuss marriage conflict. And resolution. And, and Con- resolution. Conflict resolution. Yeah, it's sort of a negative program. We just talked about conflict. We yeah, want, we want to we talk want to about resolution. It. Yeah. Okay. Here's the questions, Jacob, that we sent out earlier today to our update list. Uh, remember, always, if you're not getting these updates, you can by sending us an email to collegeview, questions at collegeview.com, and then just say, put me on the list. Huh? But here's the questions we sent out earlier today. What would you tell someone 
the first question has four parts. What would you tell someone who feels their marriage situation is hopeless, things are bad, and will never get better? Mm, okay. What would you tell someone who, secondly, seeks help from worldly marriage counselors, psychologists, and so forth? Okay. Number three, or the third part, what would you tell someone who fails to express commitment to the marriage? It says things like, I wish I never married you. I should have divorced you years ago. I'm leaving. I don't know if I'll be back, mm. that, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then finally on part, question one, what would you tell someone who only discusses things in order to win a victory, to prove that their mate is wrong and to get their own way? Okay. So those are the first four. That's four parts of the first question. How are you going to deal with people? Because I think those are fairly common kind of things that okay. people who get in marriage trouble are dealing with. Those are the mm-hmm. kind of issues that come up. Okay. And then the last part I think is really important. We want to talk. We want your suggestions about scriptural guidelines you would give couples who are experiencing marital discord. All right. This should be a good discussion tonight, and we've gotten some good feedback so far. If you'd like to add yours, you do that over the phone, over email, or in the chat room tonight as we talk about conflict resolution in marriage. All right, so let's talk. Let's let's di- jump into this first one, Jacob. What would you do if you were talking to someone and they expressed an opinion about their own marriage that the situation was just absolutely hopeless, really bad? It's not getting any better. You know, the truth of the matter is that some couples have bickered and quarreled for so long that they just sort of lose hope that things yeah. can ever get better. Okay, well, uh, we have an email from Justin who's in Exeter, California tonight. He says, I would have to reference Romans 8, verse 28, and we know that to them that love God, all things work together for good, even to them that are called according to his purpose. And so Justin tells us if, if we'll put God first and stay focused on him, all things will work out. For I think that's an important yeah. principle. In other words, uh, the promise is that if we will, if we have a husband and wife who are both seeking to do the will of God, that things can be made better. And we need to keep that hope. That is, we need to have encouragement as we as we begin uh, that discussion that uh, about marriage conflict. We got an email from Wade in Hampshire, Tennessee, who says, "I would encourage these folks to try to do things together. The more problems that are worked through, the stronger the marriage gets." Mm-hmm. So basically, he's suggesting don't give up. He says there was a movie that came out a few years ago about marriage. The movie was called Fireproof. It depicted a young man and his wife having marital problems, but the man. Uh, uh, through the advice of his father, decided to work through a system of steps his father provided for him in the book. You probably guessed it, the ending. They got back together, but it really took the man making the decision on how important the relationship was. In my house, my relationship with my wife is at the top of my list, just under my relationship with God. I find those two interlinked. Uh, guys, every woman is different. The commonality is that all share desire for someone to love them, take care of them. You can show them that they're important and that you are dedicated to the job of taking care of them, not just financially, then half the battle is already won. All right. Thank, Thank you, Wade, for those comments. And uh, Paul, who's in Indiana, I believe, uh, says, I only have a few minutes to reply in a general way to this theme. I think it is important, for too, for couples having trouble to do their very best to be the best husband or wife they can be. Too many times, one spouse will excuse themselves from being what they should be when the other person isn't. If the man... Uh, who is unhappy with his wife would just commit to being a great husband regardless of anything his wife does, he might just be surprised in the change in her. This goes for the unhappy wife as well. I have advised this often, but rarely seen folks give it a good try. Recently there was a movie, Fireproof, that seemed to give this advice as well. In every aspect of life where godliness and righteousness cannot depend on the behavior of others. 
just my thoughts. And so he appreciates, uh, or he sends those in. We appreciate those thoughts tonight. And he mentions in his PS, Jacob, that he's got a daughter who's had major surgery and has, has felt some complications. So he's praying for her improvement. We'll, we'll join with him in that desire. Oh, that's uh, that's terrible. Uh, all right. Um, the uh, the point that, that Paul makes there, I think, is really important. I am independently uh, obligated to work to be the best marriage partner I can be, irregardless of what my spouse is doing. Yeah, it's sort of a uh, downwarding spiral, isn't it? You know, but what Paul says is exactly right. There are some people who, uh, you know, they they say, well, my, my spouse is not trying. There's no use for me to try. Right. Uh, he's a clod. She's she's a creep. Uh, you know, uh, why should I even give right. effort? To, I mean, there's no use. But we, we understand uh, that even if your marriage partner will not work to improve the marriage, that, that this doesn't remove you from the responsibility to, to do what you can and be the best that you can be. Uh, you know, that, that's true in all regards of, to our service of God. I'm, I, I am not released from my obligation to be the kind of Christian I should be just because maybe you, Jacob, are not being such a Christian. That's right. And the same thing is true in marriage. It's obviously a, a, a tough situation, but even if your spouse is not trying their best, you are still obligated to do That's your best. That's good encouragement. Uh, Gail in Columbia says, uh, a lot of marriages that have seemed hopeless have turned out for the better. And even if marriage is unhappy, that does not mean that life has to be unhappy. Happiness is not dependent on circumstances. Galatians 5 verse 22 says that the fruit of the Spirit is joy. God gives hope to those who are married to non-Christians and to those who are married to Christians. Married to a non-Christian, 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 1, likewise ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may be without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. She goes on and says, I think scripture shows that this can be also true for husbands married to non-Christian wives. And if a husband treats his non-Christian wife as Christ treats the church, that there is hope uh, that she'll respond to that. The Bible gives no guarantees on marriages. If you're married to a Christian, she references 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. But now I've written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, with such a one know not to eat. We appreciate Gail for those comments tonight. All right. Uh, Chris in Atlanta says, uh, I would say that few situations are really hopeless. I would remind them of Proverbs 3, 5, Matthew 19, 26. I may be taking this verse a little out of context, but the principle still applies. Then I would look in the music room at Psalms 34, 8 and 18, 9 and 19. If we place trust in God and his promises and instruction, we cannot go wrong. There is one reason to, to dissolve marriage. So unless that situation involves adultery, then we must seek out instruction from God on how to solve the problem. Even when adultery has occurred, the marriage could be salvaged in certain circumstances. All right, so he suggests some of the verses, and we didn't take time to read those, Jacob, but from Proverbs 3, 5, Matthew 19, 26, Psalm 34, he suggests verses that uh, uh, tell us to put our trust in God and his promises. So I, I, I agree. God promises that if we will do our part, he will bless us in what we do. And Jeff is behind the controls tonight. Um, and Jeff's been feeling a lot of double duty here lately. And Jeff... Uh, your comments were that if uh, they have uh, that attitude and uh, that they're going to give up, that things are definitely not going to get better. Explain your, your rationale there. Well, especially with Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, especially the first part where it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
if you have the attitude of that and you're not going to work towards anything getting better and just sort say, of a self-fulfilling prophecy you just say oh i'm yeah if you it. feel it's defeated like, you'll be defeated right jeff uh, yeah, jeff yeah. if you said i'm going to fail out of college you probably would if you just gave up all right good good comments uh, and uh, John is in the chat room tonight, and he says the, the, the concept that uh, you have to do what you're supposed to do regardless of others is true in all relationships, and it certainly is, but it's important for us to remember this in marriage, especially as we consider conflict resolution tonight. Yeah, uh, a couple more notes along this idea of a situation that's just in complete, almost utter breakdown. You know, right. I mean, uh, you got to realize that, that the problem exist because somebody either the husband or the wife or both are disobeying god uh so the sin is taking place if you're in that situation it's not just that it's a bad marriage situation it's also a sinful situation that's that's going to cause you to be alienated from god not living as you should exactly right so uh you know you, you got to 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 get a marriage back on track you got in other words it, it's off track because somebody is sinning Right, and so you got to deal with that sin just like you deal with any other sin. You, you've got to recognize the problem. You've got to confess it. You got to repent of it. You got to do differently. Uh, so, you know, see see it for what it is. Uh, marriage marriage discord is sin. It is, and and and, uh, and certainly is something to work on. Certainly, attitude issues that need to be worked on. We're going to need to take a break, and when we get back from that break, we need to talk about. Uh, should I go to a worldly marriage counselor? What do you think about that? Uh, let's talk about that when we get back. I, I need some help in my marriage. Where do I turn? Do I go to one of these these marriage counselors or a psychologist, perhaps? What do you think about that? Send in your comments in the chat room during the break or give us a call. It's toll-free, 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com, but don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in a study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we we'll hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Don't grumble if you don't have what you want. Just be thankful you don't get what you deserve. The world will not persecute a worldly Christian. If it really doesn't matter how you live as a Christian, then why is it that most of the New Testament was written to Christians to show them how to live? The highest reward for a man's toil is not what he gets for it, but what he becomes by it. Man, I wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. We welcome you back to the program tonight as we talk about marriage conflict. We look forward to hearing from you. And if you are listening to us in the podcast version, thank you uh, for doing so. And give us a call or send us an email anytime. Even if you are listening in the recorded version, we'd love to hear from you. You can use the same phone number that we use on the air or send us an email. We look forward to hearing from you. Jacob, we our second 
thing that we sometimes have to deal with is is people who get into marriage trouble and then they go and seek out worldly marriage counselors or psychologists or counselors who are not giving them instruction from the word of God and may be giving them instruction that is actually completely contrary to the word of God. I I don't know how many times I've known people who went to such a counselor and the counselor said, you just got to do whatever it takes to make yourself happy. And that means if it, it bailing out of this marriage, do it, do whatever it takes. You, you deserve to be happy and therefore you should do whatever it takes to make you happy that's the kind of worldly advice that people are getting sometimes. Even getting it from maybe some uh, girlfriends or some guy friends. Yeah, it, it doesn't have to be a professional counselor. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. It, 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 and, in fact, probably it's far more likely that you commiserate with some person who's not even a Christian at your workplace or yeah. you know, a friend, a non-Christian friend uh, in the community. And they're definitely not going to give you sound advice from the Word of God. Uh, that's just... Uh, um, that's just a huge mistake. And and w- what we have to realize is that the real answers are in the Word of God. You know, sometimes it may not even come from someone external. It may come from ourselves as we begin to reason among ourselves and we begin to rationalize it in our own minds without conferring with God and His Word. And Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 tells us the folly of that. We read, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He will direct thy paths. You know, we even have to check ourselves and our thoughts. And make sure that we're going back to God's word and, and sort of recalibrating those thoughts, making sure they line up with what God says. Second uh, Timothy three, uh, sixteen and seventeen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Everything you need is in there, and so that's that needs to be the source. Now, someone says, "Are you saying categorically, Jacob, that?" You can never go to a, a, a marriage counselor or a psychologist or or even a friend, for that matter. You can never go and talk to them about problems. I, I'm not saying that. Are you saying that? I'm not saying that. Okay. But what correct. I am saying is you have to reject anything that such a source would tell you. You've got that, to go back to God's Word. Yeah, you'd have to read. In other words, I'm talking, to, I'm talking to this guy at work. He's a pretty nice guy. We've been friends. We've been associating together. We, we, we take coffee break together. We go out to lunch together. He's just a nice guy, and I've been telling him about my marriage problems, and and he says, get a divorce. Yeah. Well, I got to realizing that, I, let's say in this instance, I don't have a scriptural grounds for divorce. I've got to reject his counsel. Yeah. It's not that I can't talk to him, but I have to be wise enough to reject his counsel. If it comes in conflict with word of God. Or maybe I look somebody up in the phone book and he's got half the alphabet behind his name. He's got all kinds of credentials and I'm paying him $300 an hour to give me advice. He tells me that I need to get a divorce. I've got to go check that to God's, just like I would do with anything else. Maybe I'll go to some other scientist who tells me that uh, I evolved from a pile of slime at the bottom of a pond. I would go back to the Bible and check his uh, advice. Same with these counselors as well. Yeah. Anthony, uh, who's in Florida tonight, uh, writes in and says from 1 Corinthians 1, 20 and 21. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 20 and 21. Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Worldly wisdom is... Then Anthony concludes from that worldly wisdom is so often worthless and at best of limited value. Yes. 
So I think those are good observations. Why not go back to the one who created marriage and get his advice on how the marriage should run? Way or Gail in Hampshire, uh, in Columbia, I'm sorry, uh, emails and says, instead of choosing a worldly counselor, choose one that is of moral and believes the Bible. It can be a treme- of, of tremendous help to have an outlet and to have someone to talk to. Some counselors have had a lot of experience with helping families have someone who can explain the dynamics of how unrighteous anger and fear work to perpetuate a situation uh, can be very helpful in knowing how to relate to your spouse as well as how not to react in destructive ways. All right. And Chris uh, in Atlanta says, uh, I would strongly advise to primarily seek help from the Bible and from someone who is a solid Christian that can guide you from a Christian perspective. A worldly counselor could be a secondary source, but you would need to use extreme caution. In all honesty, I would probably wave them off a worldly source. When you are in a highly emotional state, it would be easy to listen to someone who tells you what you want to hear instead of what you may need to hear, 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 through 5. I think you're exactly right, Chris. You know, so I'm really down on my spouse. You are? And I go to this oh. I go to this worldly counselor, and he tells me, well, you ought to get a divorce. Right. That's really what I wanted to do anyway. Yeah. Even though I don't have maybe biblical authority to do it. But he, he told me that's really what I wanted to hear, and so I do what he said. You, got, you have itching ears, in other words. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it doesn't even have to be a, a, a so-called worldly marriage counselor. It could be a false teaching preacher. Right. You know, because if you want to bad enough, you can find some preacher somewhere, somebody who calls himself a preacher or some clergyman who will tell you what you want to hear. And as Chris points out, you got to be really careful in an emotional situation like this. You got to be careful to not be looking for the answer you already wanted to hear. You got to be looking for the answer from the Word of God. And for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but for but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their hearts ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. It sounds uh you know, we think about that a lot as it refers to just uh, maybe some other doctrinal matters, but it, it, it happens and it occurs perhaps even more frequently in the area of marriage where people have these itching ears and they look for someone to teach a false doctrine. Exactly right. Yeah. All right, Jeff. Uh, Jeff is not married. He's behind the controls tonight. But, uh, Jeff, if you were married, what would you think about going to uh, one of these counselors or psychologists? Not Again, not all psych- counselors or psychologists are evil, but what would your advice be, Jeff? Well... Two reasons I would have for this. Some of the stuff that might, you know, they might say might be used to us, but the Bible has already told us that, you know. So if it's if it's if it's good advice, we could find the substance of it in the scriptures right. already. I think you're right, Jeff. All right, uh, and that uh, email address to use uh, if you'd like to get in touch with Jeff is questions at collegeview dot com. All just right. Kidding, All right, we got we got another thing. And okay, so we're Jacob. Don't you agree with me that it's just not entirely uncommon in fact it's a fairly common thing unfortunately that people who have marriage problems will come and seek advice or talk to you about their issues and so forth and so we got to be ready to deal with some of these things like oh you're saying just anybody in general get yeah, to talk to you yeah they're not just going to come to you as the, as the preacher they might no, come no. to they might come to just well I, and i think that it's perhaps more likely if they know that you have a good marriage that mm. you're happy in your marriage and they're not they may seek you out. Just for advice. How, for advice. How what, what, what are you doing or how, what should I do? Okay. So from time to time, we're going to get people who who approach us with these kind of scenarios. What would you tell someone? Uh, the, the third part of this question we ask, what would you tell someone who fails to express commitment in the marriage? 
by saying things like, I wish I had never married you. Mm. I, or I should have divorced you years ago. Uh, or I'm leaving and I don't know if I'll be back. Or even something, Jake, just as simple as saying, I hate you. Yeah. What, what, what would you say to somebody? You encounter somebody who gives those kinds of statements. Uh, what, how would you deal with it? Uh, go well, ahead. Oh, that's a, that's a good that's a good question. Gail in Columbia uh, says uh, spouses are commanded to cleave to their mate. That is not cleaving. Cleaving that is sinful. All right, I think so, I, uh, I, Gail really shucks uh, it down for us. I, I think that's the point. I think Gail's exactly right. In, in the absence of scriptural grounds for divorce, all such statements as I should have divorced you, I'm going to divorce you, I wish you were dead, I wish I never married you, I'm leaving, I don't know if I'll be back, I hate you. Of course, some of those, even even in a situation where you had scriptural grounds for divorce, those kind of statements are sinful. They, they do not express the love that we're commanded to have for one another. And so the very saying of those things is, is an indication that there's a lot of sin going on if people harbor those kind of feelings in their heart. Or the wrong attitude about marriage itself. And that touched a hot button for Chris. He says, this is a hot button for me. Many people go into marriage with the attitude of, let's see how it works. This lack of commitment will almost surely not end well. My wife and I entered into our marriage with the attitude of divorce is not an option. Many people do not fully understand what is involved in a marriage relationship. They get in it for all the wrong reasons, such as hoping the other person will change, only for the physical relationship, because they feel it is time to settle down, because they have that starry-eyed, ooey-gooey feeling and think that that will last forever. What, what many people fail to understand is love is not that ooey-gooey feeling. Love is work. If you are not committed to work for, through the bad times, good times and worse times, then do not get married. A true test of love is when you are very mad at your significant other, but in spite of how angry you are, you still choose to be with them. Okay, I like Chris's comment there. I, I especially appreciate what he says. You've got to be committed to work at marriage. Right. Uh, you just, it, 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 it takes work. It's, just, it's, a, it's, it's a wonderful relationship. It's a blessing from God that we can have a, a marriage partner, but it, that, that still doesn't preclude the fact that you've got to work at it if it's going to be all that it needs to be. All right. Certainly. Jeff, what was your thought there? Uh, you had a, you sent... Well, Jeff, I think Jeff echoes the idea of having a, a, the, the proper attitude and view of marriage, right, Jeff? Right. That it's an honorable thing. Because God, you know, he says it all through the Bible about how marriage is honorable. And uh, in the beginning, he wanted it one man, one woman for life. And we understand that any time something is uh, where it's been different than that, that sin is involved. And, you know, that's just, you know, something that happens. In, okay. Your comments. We we got uh, the the chat room is unusually They're giving us the quiet. silent treatment tonight. There, there's several people in there lurking, but there's not much talking going on. So get, give us some feedback uh, in the chat room. We're gonna we're gonna. Nobody co- wants to step up and be the expert on marriage conflict. You know, about the time that you express yourself as an expert, then that's probably when you're gonna have some issues or, uh, to deal people with. People wonder how you got to be an expert. Yeah. All right. We have one more comment. The kind of things that people might say to us or that they might be doing that we have to deal with is we've got a husband and wife and they're, they're really in serious marriage breakdown, Mm -hmm. but they, whenever you can get them to talk about it, they'll only talk about it with the idea of proving they're right. And the other person's wrong. They're going to defend their turf. Yeah. uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, they only talk about it for the purpose of proving 
that my mate is a complete jerk and I'm I'm right and he or she is wrong. And that's the only reason they're talking about it. How, how would you deal with somebody who only wants to talk about things at that level? You want to take a break and let people think about that question? All right, we can do that. Let's take a break and get this week's bullet point. And then on the other side, what about the person who wants to stand their ground and claim that they are right and their spouse is wrong and it's all his or her fault? What do you think about that? Have you ever felt that way yourself? Is that the right attitude to have? What do you think? Give us a call, send us an email, or join in the chat room tonight. We'll take a break, and we'll continue on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. A letter was recently received that included the following request. Quote, I'm sending this letter to the churches in my new area in hopes that someone out there will supply me with information about services provided to help me with my decision about choosing a church. Things of importance to me in a new church home include the following. Children's choir, non-traditional Bible study class, children's church, children's Sunday school, youth activities, youth groups, single family activities, singles support group, inspirational sermons. I'm sure we're all in favor of inspirational sermons, but some of the other things mentioned in this list reveal that this individual has a somewhat perverted view of the role of the church. Instead of looking for a church that satisfies all of our own individual preferences, did you notice that she lists things of importance to me? Instead of that, we need to be seeking a church that is actively and faithfully doing God's will. Things of importance to him are the things that really matter. Children's church, youth groups, and youth activities are not mentioned in the Word of God. And I don't think single family activities can be found there either. Instead, God has given the church the works of evangelism, 1 Timothy 3.15, edification, Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 13, and a limited role in benevolence, 1 Timothy 5, verse 16. More and more, we find that people seem to be selfishly seeking to serve themselves. Let's be careful that our emphasis is on serving the Lord. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Roger Toomes, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And we are ready to roll. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. We encourage you to find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Or you can come and be a part of our worship services uh, Sunday mornings at 9.30, Sunday evenings at 6, or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area. We look forward to meeting you or hearing from you. If you have any questions about what we believe or what we practice or anything you hear on any edition of the Virtual Bible Study, we should also make uh, note uh, that uh, we are available for Bible study as well. If you have a question about anything you'd like to, uh, that you've been studying that you'd like more information on, you can contact us and uh, offline, and we'd be happy to have a discussion with you. We're talking about marriage conflict and how to resolve it on the program tonight. Uh, that's only, though, for the marriages that have conflict. If you don't have conflict, you can go ahead and go watch the football game. Well, but obviously, as we said at the outset, Jacob, everybody has conflict in marriage. We've got to be able to resolve it uh, properly Okay. if we're going to have good marriages. John in the chat room says, as with the other points, the starting point. No, we're talking about a situation where someone, the only reason they want to talk about it is to prove their mate is wrong. Right. I, I'll talk, but I'm just doing it to, to prove my side of the, of the, of the equation. Okay. John says, as with the other points, the starting point should be to help the person realize that they should be what they should be as a Christian. When we bring them back to the word of God, then we can show them verses like Ephesians 5, 2, walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us. When we walk in love, that would include how we feel about our spouse and how we treat them as well. 
hopefully this can help someone change their overall attitude. I think those are good observations, Thank you, John. John. Uh, the, you know, if, if we're going to have a discussion, and if it's going to be helpful at all in resolving the conflict, and obviously that needs to be our goal. The goal is to not make the problem worse, but to try and make it better. Uh, then you have to be willing to listen, listen to the other person's point of view. You got to honestly consider what's being said. Try to be honest, even concerning yourself. Examine your own conduct, your own motives. Uh, uh, practice patience and self-control, and all of those are biblical principles. And we could probably multiply the verses that teach that that's the kind of attitude that we ought to possess. Uh, but uh, you know. I think that if, if you are, for one reason or another, called into a situation where you're expected to try to help in a situation like that, I think that you'd, you'd, you'd want to immediately put a stop to either party engaging in that kind of behavior where they're only interested in proving themselves right and their partner wrong. Okay. All right. Absolutely. Uh, and Because, well, it just doesn't happen that way, does it? Unfortunately, I've, I've been I've been in situations, Jacob, where you, you try to show. I can remember one case in particular where this woman was just adamant about the faults of her husband, and when I even suggested, you know, that she needed to do a little self-examination too. Boy, that was the end. That was the end of the discussion. She was mad at you too. <laughs> she got mad at me too. So, I mean. Uh, with that kind of attitude, obviously nothing is going to get better. That that in itself is a sinful attitude. We've got to be willing to. Second uh, Corinthians thirteen five says, "Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith." In other words, I got to be willing to look honestly at myself to see if I'm doing the right thing or not. All right, uh, certainly so much uh, that is true. Um, you know, none of us is perfect, and when we begin to believe that we are, then we certainly have uh, crossed the line and have an attitude that is uh, contrary to God's word. I had a note here from Proverbs 18.13. Proverbs 18.13 says, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame to him. In other words, if I'm not willing to hear the other side of the story, then that's just foolishness. All right, and uh, certainly we need to not have the attitude in any aspect of our life that we are without sin. First John 1 verse 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves in the truth and not in us. Now, that is not that verse is not guaranteeing us that we, that we are the, pro- the cause of the problem. But if we have the attitude that I'm perfect and that there could be no issue on my end of things, then certainly we're in a wrong position. Did we, did we have some comments from our emailers on this? Let's see. Uh... We actually did. Uh, from uh, from Gail, I believe. Gail, Gail says, that, uh, for for a person who's just trying to prove themselves right and their mate wrong, he sa- she says the only way a spouse can be successful is if they are working towards a successful marriage. And marriage can only be successful if both parties follow the command to leave their parents and cleave to one another. That attitude of proving the mate wrong works against cleaving to one another, and therefore will only make the marriage situation worse. And not following the cleaving command will cause that spouse to lose their soul. Cleaving is two becoming one, and proving a mate wrong or getting their own way is not a victory. It's a defeat. Oh. Couples should work towards the Lord's way. So you're, when you're actually proving your wife wrong, you're proving your marriage wrong, right? Because your uh, one is what she's saying. You should not want the other person to be wrong either. Uh, and uh, Chris in Georgia says, uh, this is a person that is struggling with a selfish attitude. I've heard it said that a marriage has to be 50-50. Each person meets halfway. I disagree. 
Marriage is 100-100. Each must be willing to go all the way to resolve an issue. He references Philippians 2, verses 3 through 5, and James 3, verses 14 through 16. I think that Philippians passage would be very powerful if if we can apply it in our marriages. Let nothing, this is Philippians 2, beginning verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but also every man on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He also references James 3, beginning verse 14, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. John in the chat room says Matthew 7, 5 always should apply when we're looking at the faults of others. We need to always look at ourselves first and foremost, remove the plank from our eye before the speck from the other's eye. I think that's excellent observation. Who is it, who's, whose faults are more apparent to you, yours or your wife's? Well, it's always easier to see the faults of the other person. Sure. It takes a mature individual to honestly evaluate their own faults. And that's, of course, what we need to be, mature. Uh, and and marriage is for, successful marriages is are for mature people. Well, you've mentioned there's been f- four points so far that uh, certainly would be helpful uh, in resolving marriage conflict, as you looked at it from the negative, but it, the positive is things can get better. Marriage situation is not hopeless, uh, that we can get help from those who are uh, godly counselors. Godly counsel should be sought, that we should uh, be committed to our marriage, and that uh, we should not be looking out just to prove the other person. So those things would certainly help us with marriage conflict. Yeah. And by the way, in the chat room, John says it's easier to see his fault, his wife's faults than his own. Oh, well, that's not what she I, says. I think he's honest. I think that's an honest. I okay. think he means to, to be uh, uh, humorous in that. But it is an honest uh, uh, fact that we are just much more inclined to see what's wrong with others than what's wrong with ourselves. And, and, and as the people of God, we, we need to overcome that sort of natural human tendency. All right. Thank you, John, for being in the chat room tonight. Jeff says it really bothers me that many of the people in my age group have a bad view of marriage and are not making their marriage serious uh, choice, marriage uh, choice serious. I believe this attitude has come about by marriage being disrespected by our government, and it has become easy for anyone to get a divorce. Good comments, Jeff. Appreciate those. I think you're right, Jeff. I think that there's just been a complete devaluing. Well, since you, since the, you're here, the, Jeff, we'll ask you what do you what is the common view of marriage in your age group, Jeff? You're in, uh, you know a sophomore in college. What's the what's the attitude? Because Jeff has grown up in a time period that maybe is different from many in our audience tonight, in which. You know, marriage was an honorable thing in your day, Dad, and uh, in my day as well. But now marriage has become sort of, I don't know, sort of treated with no respect. Jeff, what's the attitude? It's just like I said, disrespecting it. Um, It's not become a thing that people are wanting anymore. Um, They hear so many horror stories about it, and it's just turned to where it's become almost bad to be married. That's how many people view it, and it's a sad thing because it's supposed to be a good thing and respectable and mean a lot to us. And All right. All right. Uh, you know, what, you know what, 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 there's what, something interesting. Uh, Jeff's comments reminded me of statistics I've seen. You know, is it is so common for couples to live together, mm-hmm. even, and they may ultimately someday marry, but it's very common for people to live together before they marry. Statistics prove that people who live together before marriage are way more 
likely to have a divorce than those who don't. Kevin in, is in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and cutting uh, I'm cutting. Kevin says marriage appears to be considered optional today. Yeah, and it is in the minds of many people. And there's no shame attached to living together without being married anymore. It used to be a shameful thing, but it's not anymore. All right. Are you on? I, I think I am. Yeah, I, we'll yeah, see. Getting, you got me now, yeah, loud and clear? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah you, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com uh, are the ways you can talk on the program tonight. We can hear from you. And uh, that line is working. It is open. And uh, you'll have a live connection with the world tonight if you'll give let's, us a call. Let's, Jacob, let's move to the positive side of this equation. What are some suggestions that you can offer? The, what, what guidelines would you give, scriptural guidelines for people who maybe are having marriage marital problems, what are you going to tell them to do? I'm going to start it off by saying, and I think some of our emailers agree, you need to pray for God's help in the matter. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. Now, that works in all matters, and it works um, in our marriages as well. We should pray. Uh, be confident. First John 5, 14 says that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. First uh, Peter chapter 5. Verse 7 tells us uh, as well, it says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And so certainly God is asking us to ask him for wisdom, for strength, and uh, for discernment as we deal with these difficult times. All right, and, and the suggestion has been made that if both the husband and wife are Christians, faithful Christians, uh, if, you are, if you have the privilege of prayer, to pray together, spend time together praying, and then spend time alone praying, but pray. Pray individually and pray in unison for the matter. I don't think we can overstress the importance of prayer. Well, and as we deal with these kind, these difficult times and navigate through these difficult situations, you're going to need wisdom. And uh, J- James tells us in James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. We need to be asking for wisdom as we deal with these difficult times. Okay. Uh, Wade uh, in Hampshire, Tennessee, references 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. And Wade concludes, prayer helps with almost everything. All right. Gail in, in yeah, Gail's got a whole bunch of suggestions. Hold Let, let's, let's hold hers and, and we'll just try to hit all of her suggestions at the end. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah, we'll just catch all of her uh, suggestions at the what end. What about Chris in Georgia? You got anything uh, on this point? Let's see, Chris in Georgia. Uh, a little no. bit later on. We'll get to him. I think that's it. Okay. All right. Uh, time for your comments. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Email questions at collegeview.com. Join in the chat room quickly before we go to the break. What are some other things you would advise as we? You know, we're not supposed to go to worldly counselors, but uh, let's say we're going to you and we're asking you for wisdom and, and for guidance. Well, and, study the Bible. We, we mentioned prayer. So as it's often expressed, prayer is us speaking to God. The Bible is God speaking to us. So let God speak to us through his word. Uh, study the Bible. Uh, if we really believe the Bible is God's infallible guidebook for our lives, then we should study what it says in all matters. And especially if we're dealing with something that is as potentially spiritually devastating as a marriage breakdown, we need to study what God's Word says about it. Uh, but, of course, in, uh, you've got to be willing to do what it says, too. 
Remember, uh, when Jesus was concluding the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about the wise and foolish builder. The foolish builder heard but did not do what he heard. The wise builder heard and did what what the Lord told. So don't go to the Bible just to read it. Just go to it to find things that you can apply to your life is what you're saying. Exactly right. You've got to, in other words, use the Bible. It is the source of God's truth for our lives, and it, it contains the answers to all of our problems. But when you go there, you you. You have to be willing to apply what you have read and learned from the Word of God, else it's not going to do you any good. Uh, James, uh, see, James chapter 1, uh, how does James word that? They're very familiar expression. Yeah. He says, uh, be ye doers, this is James one twenty two. be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. All right. For if any be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for be, he beholdeth himself... And goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. That is a famous verse for uh, discussing the salvation with those who are not uh, yet Christians. But that the passage is written toward to those who are Christians, and we need to make sure that we are not guilty of violating that passage as well. That we are actually looking to the scriptures to find areas where we can improve. All right, let's take our last break, Jacob, and then when we get back, we'll, we'll take it to the top of our offering positive suggestions. For people who are having marriage trouble. And we've only got 15 minutes on the other side of the break, so we'll have to go fast. And we want to take your comments as well. Let us know your thoughts. Questions at collegeview.com or toll-free, 877-381-4567. It's the Marriage Hotline tonight. Give it a call. Don't go anywhere. We continue right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. My name is Rick Harris and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. I hope you'll join me and many others in this weekly internet Bible study group. Be sure to listen every Thursday night. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. Well, we thought, we're glad you thought of joining it tonight on the program, and we look forward to hearing from you in the remaining minutes of the program. We're talking about marriage conflict resolution. And, and uh, I think it's a really important subject, Jacob, because actually it applies to the vast majority of our listeners. The, everybody who's married needs to have a, a firm commitment to resolving conflict in their marriage in the biblical way. So conflict that will arise. John in the chat room says, uh, good points, pray and study with a true desire to uh, a true desire to find the truth, not with a desire to find something that proves what you already think. Yeah. All right. right. 
So we talked about prayer and Bible study as being helpful. Uh, here's another suggestion, Jacob. Maintain and express your com- maintain commitment to your marriage and express your commitment to the marriage. In other words, have the idea that divorce and separation are not options for us. Okay. Uh, Wade, in, uh, his email said, the word divorce is not used in my house unless it's referring to someone else. We're not, okay. we're not doing that. All right. Uh, and uh, we also need to, it, having this commitment expresses our faith in God and his word. Because in passages like Matthew chapter 19, uh, God has told us that what God has joined together, let not man put asunder, Matthew 19, verse 6. If I, if I express a, the fact that divorce could be an option in my marriage, it shows that I don't have true that you'd faith be willing, in God. And that you'd be willing to go against what God says. Yeah. In other words, if I hold out divorce as an option, if this marriage doesn't work out, I'll just throw in the towel. Then I'm saying I don't I'm not fully committed to doing what God says I must do in my marriage. Okay. Uh, Romans seven uh, verse two says the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. Uh, then goes on, of course, to say if the husband's dead, she's loose from the law and so forth. But there's a binding that takes place. God binds us in this covenant with our husband and our wife. In other words, we make a commitment between uh, man and woman, make a commitment in marriage between the two of them. But God also is involved in a scriptural marriage, and he locks those people in. He binds. The, the scriptural word is bind. He binds. They are bound uh, in, that, in, in that commitment that they've made. All right. Uh, John has an interesting comment in the chat room. He says, in regards to prayer, asking for prayer is also very valuable. James 5, verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so uh, John says, perhaps you ask others to pray for you. Right. Right. Uh, I I think that's a good point, too. I mean, uh, and and there would be power in that. If if prayer is powerful, then getting more people involved in praying can only help uh, make it better. Well, as I think about marriage conflict, let me ask you the question. Is there ever a time where I just say, well, let's just decide not to fight about it anymore? In other words, make a compromise? Do we do that? Yeah. In in non-essential uh, matters, in things that do not involve right and wrong. Mm. In other words, I can never compromise on wrong and say, well, I'll just look the other way. Mm-hmm. But in matters that are not essential, I should be willing to compromise. I guess defining the things that are essential is the challenge now that yeah. perhaps we need but to pray just for as wisdom. Long, just as long as no Bible teaching is, is violated, then if we can sort of meet on middle ground, that's a win-win. I remember uh, our friend Larry Payton used to always say, Jacob, what you're looking for when there's a, when there's a conflict is you're looking for, if it's in business, uh, if it's in, in the church, if it's in the family, you, what you really want is a situation where both parties can walk away feeling that it's a win situation for them. You want a win-win. You don't want a win-lose or a lose-lose if you can avoid it. Now, sometimes like you can't compromise. avoid it. But you want a win-win. That, everybody's happy when you've got a win-win situation. And so in marriage, we should, we should seek that win-win situation. I ought to be willing to give in. If this is not a, a critical spiritual matter uh, where God's truth is at stake, then I should be willing to compromise. All right. Uh, you, we have time for your thoughts over the phone, over email, or in the chat room tonight. Send them in and join in the discussion. We talk about marriage conflict. Uh, we would like to hear from you on the program tonight. You may be able to help others as they deal with conflict in their marriage. Well, 
let's say that it was uh, a matter of right or wrong, uh, that there was that maybe some wrongdoing involved. How do I handle that conflict? Well, if if somebody has sinned, then you got to do what the Bible says about getting forgiveness for sins, and that is repent. We're talking about Christians, so they're going to have to repent and pray for forgiveness. Right? Now, that's what Simon the Sorcerer was told to do in Acts chapter 8, verse 22. A Christian who sinned, he was told to repent. Pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven, the Acts 8, 22. So if, if, if my spouse has sinned, or if I have sinned, or if we both have sinned, then what we've got to do is repent and pray for forgiveness. All right. Uh, is that all that's revo- required, though, in that area where sin is involved? Well, I, let's say that it's me, and I'm the one who sinned. Mm-hmm. And I've got to seek God's forgiveness, but I also have got to seek my mate's forgiveness. And that okay. means I've got to confess, admit, apologize uh, for my sin, not only to God, but to my spouse as well. Well, what's the spouse's re- requirement then on the other end of that? Well, the spouse's requirement, of course, would be to forgive. Okay. In other words, I'm commanded to seek forgiveness. Uh, my The one I have wronged is commanded to forgive me. In Luke 17, verse 3, Jesus said, uh, If your brother... If your bre- uh, if thy brother trespass against thee, change the wording. If your spouse trespass against thee, what do you do? Rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, "I repent," thou shalt forgive him. You know, Jacob, that brings up a point that might be worth mentioning right here. Let's say that in this case, this this is a marriage situation, and it's really a serious one. My mate has been sexually unfaithful to mm-hmm. me, committed adultery, mm-hmm. uh, committed fornication. Right. Uh, but they come to me. My spouse comes to me and, and says, please forgive me. I was wrong. Please forgive me. The the question has often been asked, in, in that kind of a situation, does the, does the innocent party have to take that mate back and continue to live with them as husband and wife? That's a question that's often been asked. My answer to that is no. I, I think they still have the authority of the Scripture to end the marriage. They don't have any option on forgiveness, though. In other words, forgiveness is one thing. Continuing the marriage is another. I think you're right. And so, yeah, would, would you have to forgive him? You know, the, sometimes the question is asked, would you have to forgive him if he asked you? Yes, you've got to forgive him. The, the other, the, But the... The other part is a, is a different question. Do you have to continue the marriage? And I think the answer to that is no, not necessarily. Okay. Now, have you known marriage conflict and problems to arise because either one, someone was not willing to repent, or or two, uh, the other spouse was not willing to forgive? Yeah, both. Both? Yeah. Okay. Don't right. you? Don't, don't, wouldn't you agree? Sure, sure. Uh, and so certainly we have to make sure that we're following the biblical pattern and seeking forgiveness and being one willing to forgive. All right. Uh, what else? What are some other uh, advice that, advice that we can use? Well, I would I would say make a plan and stick with it. Okay. Uh, and I think one of the great examples from the scriptures is in the story Jesus told of the prodigal son. He said, you know, when he got in the depths of, of despair, trying to eat the food that he was supposed to be feeding to the hogs, mm-hmm. he said, I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to tell him I've, I've sinned and I just want to be a hired servant in his house. Um, and so when he, but when he got back to his home, his father rushed out to greet him and showed him all kind of love and kindness. And, 
And, you know, and yet he, he followed through. He, said, he, he told his father what he had intended to tell him. I've sinned against you, and please just let me be a servant in your household. And, of course, his father wouldn't have it that way. But he continued. He followed through with his plan. I think that's what we got to do. When we make a plan, when we've got issues, when we've done wrong, make a plan, stick to it. And I, I think that would work in marriage. And perhaps we need to realize that things may not change overnight. Exactly right. Just because you make a decision that things are going to be better, maybe it takes some time as you both work on maybe some deficiencies. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's a, you've got to be committed to the process. It's, in other words, we like to snap our finger and say it'll be perfect. Okay, my marriage is perfect. Tomorrow. Now. Yeah, but it's not going to be that way. If it, especially if it's gotten in such bad disrepair, you're going to have to work at it and work at it long term. You're going to have to be committed to follow through with the plan. All right. Well, uh, and then we got, and then I want to offer one more suggestion. And our emailers have joined on this suggestion, Jacob, and that is seek help as needed. Uh, we've already talked about going to the Word of God for help. Go to fellow Christians for help, and especially the elders of the church are specifically assigned to watch for our souls. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. So get help from faithful Christians that you respect and trust, especially looking to spiritual shepherds over the local Well, that uh, goes along with the comments that John had made in the chat room about asking others to pray for you. And Wade in Hampshire says, I would fi- try to find a Christian to counsel me. Most Christians understand the importance of marriage and how to work through it. Unfortunately, because divorce is rampant in our society, there are some Christians that have changed their positions on marriage and divorce and remarriage, so you need to be careful, Wade says. Okay, Chris says... Uh, both should agree to seek guidance from God's word and make a commitment to follow that guidance. Then seek help from a godly person and seek out advice from couples that have a solid marriage and have been married for several decades. I'm blessed to know several couples with godly marriages that have lasted 30 to 60 years. They appear to be genuinely in love and are great sources of inspiration. Thanks, Chris. I think that's right. And uh, that, uh, that relationship, I'm sure, has had, even though it appears to be great, I'm sure there have been conflicts in it as well. Uh, because those people are not perfect either. Well, we have uh, some good comments from Gail. Uh, Gail uh, emails and says, uh, changes won't happen overnight. Use the difficult times to grow and get stronger in the Lord. James says in James 1, verse 2, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into manifold temptations, knowing that the proving of your faith work with patience, and let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. When your spouse is yelling or lying or doing other hurtful things, realize that it has nothing to do with you, Use their sinful behavior as a cue to stay in control of yourself. The principle of accountability shows that people yell and lie because of who they are, not because of what someone else is doing. Don't become like them. Be patient and only give loving reactions. One essential loving reaction is to learn, is to leave the room when someone is yelling. Let them know that you cannot be a part of their sin. Staying calm can also be a huge influence on them. It also helps to realize that they are not controlling you, which is usually what an abusive spouse wants. Another essential loving reaction is to go to church. First Corinthians chapter 5 says that railers have to be withdrawn from if a spouse engages in verbal abuse. The Matthew 18 process has to be done. Otherwise, their sinful behavior is being enabled and will likely not stop. Speaking the truth in love, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, uh, speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, That is the head, which is the head, even Christ, Follow the 1 Corinthians 13 ways on how to love rather than engaging in irresponsible and sinful behavior such as the silent treatment, yelling, and not listening. I think 1 Corinthians 13 is a great text for marriage couples to Certainly. study. All right. Follow Matthew chapter, or Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 33. Both spouses have to love and be respectful to the other. Communication is essential. A couple cannot cleave without it. 
The only way we can get close to the Lord is through his word, and the only way a couple can bond is to get to know them through their words. All right, good comments, Thank Gail. Thank you, Gail, for those. Appreciate that good, good long uh, email you sent All right, uh, quickly, Kevin says, bear one another's burdens. That can help, but we are sometimes deficient in this relationship with others, so they can help. And, uh, Sharon, so that's the idea of going to others who can help us. Right? Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. And then Sharon says, we need to pray together. Yeah, exactly right. I all agree. Right. Okay. I agree. All right, lots of good comments tonight and lots of help from our emailers, especially uh, we appreciate everybody who joined in on what I think is a critical and important discussion about conflict resolution and marriage. We'll look forward to uh, applying these principles. I think everyone who's in the audience tonight will have the opportunity to apply some of the principles we've talked about tonight. And certainly, if we'll go to God's Word for guidance, our marriages will be stronger. Our families will benefit as a result. Dad, thank you for the excellent discussion tonight. Okay, hang on one minute, Jacob. Oh, we got more comments. We've got, we got one email. Okay, we can't, uh, we can't end yet. Hold uh, on. Robin says, if... if the husband comes home from working all day, and my wife is obviously tired from working at home, house cleaning, caring for children. It's my duty to take over the chores, children's needs, et cetera, or should I require her to carry on? He's oh. asking a question. Obviously, I think if we're caring for one another, we're going to help in those kind of situations. I don't, that, that, I don't think that there are biblically assigned chore lists. We can help each other in those chores. Well, if we love the other person, uh, we sh- we'll be trying to serve each other, and certainly that will help with maybe some of those selfish reactions. All right. All right. Good discussion tonight, Dad. Thank you. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you, Jeff, for being behind the controls. Job well done. And thank you for listening to the program. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. And we hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God.